0: How are you doing? This is the Lion's Breath Movement Podcast. This is your host, Owen. Um, this is actually episode number 10, which is uh, pretty crazy because when I originally started this, uh, I didn't know if I was going to get to episode number three. So here we are sitting at episode number 10 um, of the Lion's Breath Movement Podcast. And it's actually Saturday at 1115 Eastern Standard Time. Um, And I have a special guest, but before we get to the guest, um, I want to do a little bit of housekeeping. Guys, listen, we can get this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Overcast, Castro Podcasts, I don't know what that is, but we're on there, Pocket Casts, we're on there, Okay. Uh, we're on Anchor, we're on Spotify, we're on Breaker. Now, um, I'm not a huge podcaster, but I listen to podcasts. I normally listen to them on Apple, Google, or Spotify. I mean, those are the three go-to um, you know, podcast platforms to get to. So listen, we're on those. And if you're listening on Apple, the way to go is give me a rating. Okay, if you enjoy the podcast, give me a five-star you know, give me a give me a five star. Write a review. This was, in, you know, this helped me out to do X, Y, and Z. Um, because how Apple does it is basically they take those ratings and they move you up their list of, um, you know, who can see the podcast, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, and then, listen for the returning listeners. I really, really appreciate you guys coming back here and listening and giving this podcast. Um, You know coming on here and and listening to me talk uh, i hope it's beneficial to you and if you're a new listener um you know the lion's breath movement is basically what it is is it's giving my page at lion's breath movement on instagram and we're on facebook a voice okay um so i I really initially started this to just to give it a voice and get on here and, and try to help people out as best as i can again i don't know everything okay my guests don't know everything but at the end of the day, we're here to, to, um, to do our best to, to help everybody out. Um, so listen, with that being said, I want to introduce um, my guest. And um, this guest of mine uh, actually inspired me to do the this, this sprint triathlon that you guys know about. I did it a, f- a few weeks ago. He's the gentleman that got me in the water. His name is Kevin Seaman. Kevin, how are you today?
1: Good. How are you guys doing today?
0: Doing well, doing well. And, yes, his last name is Seaman. Um,
1: Eighth grade was very difficult for me. It was a very dark time. <laughs> uh,
0: so uh, I wanted to bring Kevin on here because Kevin, um, you know, initially he really inspired me to, you know, do that sprint triathlon. Um, you know, a few months ago he got me to get in the water and swim with him, you know, on the, on the weekends. And that ultimately got me enough confidence to do the sprint triathlon. Um, so, uh, you know, real quick, Kevin, if you could just tell the audience, just give the audience just a quick background on, on, you know, who you are, you know, where you're from, um, etc.
1: Uh, born and raised in Connecticut, uh, went to school here, had kind of a boring life, if you will, uh, boring as in busy, uh, full-time school in college, full-time work in college, full-time girlfriend in college, didn't really get too heavy into a uh, a fitness lifestyle or healthy lifestyle, which is I know what we're promoting here until after that. And in the beginning of my early 20s, I got involved with just regular weightlifting, bodybuilding. Uh, I was doing some bench press competitions, things of that nature. And from there, it just kind of uh, progressed into what it is now and that's just kind of a healthy fit lifestyle that's kind of encompassed by a lot of sports it's, yeah. it, it yeah. it's surrounded by a little bit of do everything definitely so, definitely but uh, that's a brief history uh, it it of course goes into depth yeah. but you don't yeah, wanna, we're, you don't want to bore Yeah yeah no we're lots.
0: we're going to go into a little bit of detail but like if I could tell the audience like I'd like to say that uh, I'm a badass motherfucker but uh, Kevin Seaman is a badass motherfucker Okay, um, I'm reading his arm right now, and he has tattooed "Never Settle" on there. So maybe we'll get into that um, as we move along in the podcast. But um, I, I didn't um, say this, but you could find uh, Kevin on uh, Instagram at Beyond Reason Fitness. Uh, Let me
1: jump in. Uh, There's two of us, Yep. by the way. uh, And I want you to
0: talk about the Beyond Reason Fitness. Yeah, Yeah.
1: we'll get there. I'm Beyond Reason Fitness 203. Beyond Reason Fitness is another member, very good friend of mine, Ryan. We'll get into the the story of how that began and what it is. But uh, I'm Beyond Reason Fitness 203. Um, Follow us both if you would like because uh, although we don't post much, we both have uh, something to offer, I would like to say, and we're also more than willing to talk to people about Anything they're aspiring to do, yeah. and if they have questions, getting to any kind of sports or any kind of activities that we're doing, because knowledge is here to share. Definitely, and, and he's the kind of guy that would share it too. Yeah,
0: absolutely, absolutely. So, I mean, um, I've probably known Kevin. I think um, when did you join CrossFit Danbury?
1: I've only been in CrossFit two years. Okay, two years. So, two years. Uh, I've
0: I've known Kevin for two years, but we got we pe- became uh, you know relatively close, um, you know, probably in the last year. And um, like I said, uh, I'm attracted—not uh, in a sexual Whoa, way, I, but like—I I love the way you that But <laughs> um, to g- people that really push like the limits, um, you know, when it comes to mentally and physically. And uh, Kevin's like, you know, he's right there with me on, you know, uh, doing some crazy ass workouts. And and you guys know, like we post, you know, workouts on Sunday Sundays uh, that we, you know, originally called bloodshed workouts. Um, now, you know, they were Lion's Breath training, etc. But Kevin's right in there doing, doing all that shit. I mean, um, and we're going to touch on that. But, uh, you know, Kevin has a inspirational story that I really want him to, to talk about. And I want you guys to listen to. Um, because I'll be honest, I asked Kevin to be on here not even knowing this story until I found out about it a few days ago i asked kevin to be on here because he's such a badass guy you know and he works out he trains hard he's mentally strong and that's where like you know this page and and this podcast is headed but i recently just found out about a story that i you know i want him to to kind of dive into detail and i'll let i'll let kevin you know get into that Mm -hmm. if if he if he can
1: yeah no no problem um uh, ironically, Owen didn't know about this and a lot of people don't know about this that I'm friends with currently in the fitness world because I don't precede a lot of what I do with this story because I don't like my accolades, if you will, to be foreshadowed by just the fact that I went through injury. But seven to eight years ago, I was in an extremely bad snowboard accident that um, left me in a coma in Dartmouth Hospital. I was at Killington snowboarding with friends, took my helmet off, um, and then we decided to go get lunch. I was with two friends, Jeff and Mish. Jeff, actually, is the gentleman that showed up this morning. It's so that maybe we're okay. running with okay, him, okay. ironically. yeah. That That's something else. But uh, Jeff and Mish uh, were there with me. We were snowboarding at Killington, took my helmet with off. With no helmet? Uh, I had no helmet on at the time. Okay. And we were not doing anything crazy at this point. Um, back then I used to snowboard at a very high level. I used to, I used to do board across. I snowboarded um, a lot of competitive events.
0: What's board across?
1: Think of like downhill racing with uh, a downhill racing course where you put four people in line at the top of the hill and there are a bunch of turns and jumps and it's literally race from top whoever to bottom. gets down there the quickest yeah wins. whoever gets down there the quickest it's not like a full contact sport but there's a lot of contact in the sport because yeah. it's such a small area right so it's 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 downhill snowboard racing is there
0: obstacle like are you going in and out of like um i wouldn't say
1: obstacles but there are turns there are hard turns, bermed turns as well as jumps drops step-ups that you all need to go over, and it gets sketchy when you're very close to one another. So you could be going forty miles an hour, have to do a you know eight foot gap or fifteen foot gap, while you're inches away right. from somebody else. That that's weird.
0: And your speed is you're going what forty miles an hour? Forty 50. to sixty. Damn it, Jesus. Yeah,
1: forty to sixty, and uh, that that's that's why it was super adrenaline packed.
0: Super. Like super how how super. quick were how like quickly were you getting down the mountain?
1: Yeah, too fast it depends on the mountain. I don't <laughs> were you doing know. this at Killington? Yeah, at, the, at Killington. Okay. Uh, Killington has a, 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 had a really has a lot of awesome board parks and they had an awesome board across area and, mm-hmm. and that kind of really attracted me to it cuz yeah. I just adrenaline is great. Like getting outside of your comfort zone is amazing exactly. no matter what you're doing it in. Right. And like it, a little bit of fear can drive you to do things you never thought you could accomplish and this was kind of the epitome of all that in one place. Because right. it was scary, it was fast, and you had to be good too. You had to have technique, strength. You know, you had to have a system. You had to be able to support it. So that's where it started. A lot of extreme sports. That was probably the most extreme of the extreme sports. But uh, regardless, I was. Yeah. Um. I was not doing any of that. Took the helmet off. Going to get lunch. We're just cutting through the trees, maybe ten miles an hour. Caught uh, what they call a tree snake, which stops. It's a root under. Uh, under the snow. Mm-hmm. Stopped my board dead in track and swung me sideways into a tree. He slammed my head into the tree. and Like uh, the side of your head? Yeah, side of my head. Left side of my head. And the next thing I know, I'm kind of like in and out of consciousness that day. And I wake up in Dartmouth Hospital uh, seven days later, five days later.
0: But you got, did you get up from hitting the tree? Or do you not remember getting up? I don't up?
1: remember anything. But apparently what happened, Mish, uh, our, my friend Mish was with us. She is luckily a, uh, a nurse. She wasn't a nurse. She was, um, one of the responders, uh, but she was there and she came over to me right away and said, I was sitting up, I was bleeding out of my ear heavily. I was kind of coherent, but, uh, I was kind of like arguing that I was fine, even though I couldn't stand up or move. Right. I don't have, I have no But you don't remember this? No recollection whatsoever. Um... They saved my life. Jeff and Mish saved my life. They got the Killington support to come get me. Apparently, I argued about getting into the sled to get to the bottom of the hill. Like, I refused to get in it.
0: You're like, yeah. I want to get to the bottom of the yeah, hill I'll I'll by get, myself. I'll it, yeah,
1: I'll do it on myself. Don't touch me. Uh, blood. But going. you're bleeding out of your bleeding ear. Bleeding everywhere. I'm like, I saw my coat, like, when I finally woke up, and it was disgusting. But uh, the next thing you know, I wake up in the hospital. I was in a coma. I lost all my—I had a severe TBI, traumatic brain injury. hmm um, extreme damage to the inside of the left of my head. Mm-hmm. Um, I shattered uh, my cochlea. I shattered my temporal bone and all the bones behind my ears. So I lost all, all hearing. All hearing. All gone. hearing forever, all balance forever. I had a facial paralysis, so I kind of looked like a stroke victim. I had to take my eyes shut to sleep. I couldn't walk, couldn't Couldn't talk even because I couldn't move the left side of my mouth.
0: So l- let's go back. Like um, So you go... Um... You go to Dartmouth Hospital, right? What do you remember? Like, what's the next... You remember? You don't remember, like, for five days? or Because you're in a coma.
1: I'm in a coma. I wake up, no recollection. I wake up hungry and doped up. So, all my family's there, and I love them to death, so it was good to see them. So, but, the
0: coma, was it in a five-day coma?
1: Yeah, and I had no idea. It could have been the same day when I woke up, for all I knew. For all you knew. I, yeah, for I had to be told what was going on, but... I couldn't retain any information because my brain took such, my brain uh, swelled up. So I was having trouble retaining.
0: Like when you woke up, you. you, No idea. No idea.
1: No idea where I was. Kind of knew I got injured, but I didn't know to this extent. And I didn't know the extent of my injuries. All I knew at that point was I wanted to move, but really couldn't. Like, my body just wouldn't respond to So, when
0: you woke up, uh, were your was your family, like, around your bed?
1: Yeah, everybody. Uh, family was there. Uh, girlfriend at the time was there. And uh, my uh, one of my best friends, Scott, drove up. And were you able to talk to them? Yes and no. I tried to, but it was difficult because I had no movement on the left side of my face at that point.
0: But, like, you could... You like couldn't talk because physically you couldn't talk.
1: Physically couldn't talk, but mentally I was. Could you hear like if, I, if they
0: were saying, "Hey, Kevin," like, could yeah,
1: you? Yeah, yeah. While it was coherent, because I was in and out of consciousness for a couple days, um, one because of the drugs and two because of the injury. Right. Right. Uh, I forgot my nurse's name every time she came in. I had the same nurse for like eight days straight. After I woke up, and every day I had to ask what her name was. I had to really, ask my mother, what her name was when she came in, yeah. Because
0: you just couldn't remember.
1: Just couldn't retain any information, but uh, between the drugs and the injury.
0: Yeah, I mean, um, so you, so you wake up in the hospital. Uh, are you in a ton of pain?
1: Not until right after, because they had me so doped up, I had no idea what was going on. I had to stay in the hospital for another couple weeks, and after that. They released me to home care, but I was kind of bedridden, and that's where everything started to hurt, and everything got difficult. Like the extent of my injuries became extremely relevant once I was able to start to try to move on my own, because I was pissing in a bedpan, at that point. Like in when you were even home. Oh yeah, uh, when I first came home, in order to shower, my dad had to sit me in the shower, turn the shower on. I put on like you know, I'd just be sitting there in my underwear. My dad had to walk me into the bathroom and like, sit me on the toilet right. and then leave and then I would be able to take my pants off. Like, I couldn't walk.
0: Couldn't walk because you had no balance. I
1: couldn't walk because I had no balance and uh, the the capacity to walk was difficult because my body was just so traumatically injured. Even though no injury came to my, my legs. I lost half a, a ton of my blood, a ton of my spinal fluid, uh, which was another big deal, too, because that's what regulates your system. Mm-hmm. Um, and it took such a hit that my body had to recover from that injury as well. Just the right. ability to, to to regain stability in my body. So that was the longest, hardest point. Like,
0: but um, so what was it like in the hospital for two weeks? Like, what was going through your mind? Like, what were you well, thinking? Of, like, did you were you like holy fuck? Like, am I ever gonna be able to, like?
1: No, never, never got to that. Actually, the hospital. That's a good question because that the hospital is where my mental recovery started. Because I fucking hate being told what I can't do, and I was being told day in and day out by all these doctors, you might not be able to run again. You might not be able to walk straight. When you heard,
0: when you heard the doctor say, "Uh, Kevin, you might not be able to run again. What was your first um, reaction to that? Like, how would you respond?
1: Oh, very easily. I signed up for my first obstacle course race ever sitting in my bed with Jeff. Okay. Um, In the hospital. I was in the hospital when I signed up for my first race because I refused and I also tried... So
0: you basically told the doctor to go fuck himself.
1: Oh, yeah. Big time. Um, Yeah. And I also mentally made it a point where I'm going to get back on my snowboard before the season's over. Even if it's just down a little bunny hill and I can only go straight and fall over, you're not going to stop doing what you love to do just because you know you got hurt right you know fear serves fear profits man nothing right one of the best quotes i've ever heard fear profits man nothing
0: now is this is this your mental capacity or is this how you 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 thought prior to the injury like i can do whatever the fuck i want to do at any time or was this injury to you like a light bulb to say dude like I can do whatever the fuck I want. I'm getting out of
1: this. Yes and no. I was always stubborn, so that played into it, and I was always active, and I always was positive thinking along the lines where I knew that I could do what I put my mind to. But this is prior to the injury. Prior, mm-hmm. prior to. But I kind of limited what I put my mind to. Like I didn't. It didn't hold as much interest for me because it didn't need to. But now with a little extra drive of being, nothing resets your life better than a near death experience because you learn very quickly how fast it can be taken away from you. So now we're given this one chance to live, to see what we're capable of mentally and physically. and. You never know when that chance is going to be taken from you. Take it from you. So you have to use everything to your full power every day. You got to become better every day. Right. I mean,
0: you know, listen. We all hear about you know live uh, life to the fullest every day, and some you know sometimes we take that for granted. Most people. I think. I mean, sometimes I take it for granted. Yeah. You know. Absolutely. But like, you know, you put yourself in a situation like you were weren't going sixty miles an hour down a a hill. You were going ten miles. You just never know what the fuck is gonna happen at any time wrong place wrong time wrong That's all it takes. wrong pl- wrong place wrong time um so you're in the hospital um, you're telling the doctors to go fuck themselves uh, you're gonna get out of the hospital for those that don't know uh, when Kevin said that he was gonna he signed up for his first OCR race it's called obstacle course racing we're gonna get into that a little bit later uh, in the podcast um, okay so you're in the hospital um, what, who are you with? Like your friends, your family there?
1: Um, a couple friends came up and visited while I was there. The What's am- the, what was day to day in
0: the hospital like?
1: Nothing really, because I woke up so doped up. Just tests, 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 and MRIs, and all this. They need to make sure that the the brain bleed stopped. Otherwise, I
0: did you have surgery?
1: Uh, luckily I didn't need surgery because it was too difficult to do surgery because it's so close to brainstem and so close to different nerves that. They needed and did everything that they could to reduce inflammation and try to get it to heal on its own. Um, and they said, if I wasn't as active or fit as I was at the time of injury, uh, I definitely would not have made it because my body. You would have died. It. I would have died straight up. Like I don't know where they come up with their percentages, but I had a three percent chance of survival. Don't ask me where the three percent yeah, chance. No of idea
0: survival. where they come up with this shit, but it's right. real.
1: That's the number they gave us. Um, right
0: so like if you were overweight not working out and banged your head dead
1: dead immediately would have bled out because my blood would not have been holy able shit. to, to that. yeah yeah hands down like oh.
0: hearing that like hearing that the doctor say that and actually like how would that make you feel
1: pretty good actually it meant that, <laughs> I meant i meant i was doing something right right exactly you know, but I, meant I was doing something but on right.
0: the other on the other hand it made you feel good because you obviously were alive
1: oh yeah absolutely. but was Nobody were you like, like holy
0: shit like were you scared
1: I was too doped up to be scared. At no point was I scared. The The fear started after being told what I can't do. But that's also where the drive came from, to right. do it. Because I, I love doing th- just things. I love snowboarding, I love wakeboarding, I love skateboarding, right. running, cycling, swimming, all that anything, stuff. Yeah. all of it, all of everything. Like, I just like doing things. Being told you can't do things, that's when it gets scary. Right. Especially when the recovery process, Yeah. Friends had to come over to my house with food. They had to help me walk, get in the shower. I played video games for four months straight. Couldn't move.
0: Just sitting in the chair.
1: Yeah, well, the thing is, every day I would get a little better, a little better, a little better. I'd push myself a little more, a little more. But when I first started, that was 20 minutes total a day of me being mobile. And then, you know, it eventually became 30, then 45, and then I go to uh, rehabilitation, uh, PT.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And then that... Wasn't enough, so then I started doing all my own stuff. I started pissing off my doctors actually, because they were getting mad that I was overdoing my recovery. But I don't like the concept of being told that you have to do a structured plan that's structured for everybody.
0: Right, you're you're not you're you're the three percent.
1: Yeah, but I'm also not the yeah exactly. Yeah, you're
0: the three percent that's you're not the everybody.
1: And, And nobody could tell you what your body feels like or how you feel or whether or not you're capable of something. Right. So it it wasn't enough. And I did what I needed to do right. to also mentally recover. Right. So,
0: so um, we're in the hospital. I just want to kind of go through a little bit of timeline here. In the hospital, um, you're in the hospital for what, two weeks? About two weeks. I okay. Would two to three weeks. Okay. Two to three weeks. Um, what was it like getting out of the hospital?
1: Uh, exciting, nerve wracking. Um,
0: were you like, you talk about fear. We all talk about fear. All right. Um, fear is full of shit. We know that but were you fear like were you like you had the drive to say I'm gonna be back on that snowboard or I'm gonna be back running and I'm gonna tell these I'm gonna show these doctors
1: oh nearly immediate that happened before I left
0: were you fearful no of of not succeeding no not once
1: no because I mean day to day you get a little fear like something will poke its head in because when you fail something in the moment Mm -hmm. you might have that instantaneous fear of not being able to accomplish but fear can turn into drive very fast if you let it but it could also turn into the opposite and and let you just fall down that rabbit hole of fuck it i'm gonna sit on the couch i'm gonna take my drugs and i'm gonna play my video games and right but
0: did you did you feel at any point you were gonna get sucked into that that hole of being like 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 feeling sorry for yourself at home like when you were like playing video games and like taking meds and sitting there and being like you know what fuck this I'm just gonna do this
1: well and this is something you don't know either and I don't mind sharing it because uh, I don't have to go into too much detail I have a family member or a relative that got addicted uh, outside of injury no injury caused it but got addicted to narcotics okay and it has destroyed their life and had such a negative impact on mine and my family's Mm -hmm. that I almost I refuse to take a lot of my drugs and I refuse to go down that route because I've already seen what can happen. Yeah, and that was another driving factor because so, cause you, I refuse to be that you, person.
0: You refuse to be that person as a close family member um, because you never you saw the effects of what opioids could do yeah. to a person's health and to the family's health.
1: Yeah, and mainly the people around you because I, I refuse to be a burden to others right and that's is this
0: something that you had prior to the injury or this mentality of i will never ever go down that path
1: i had it a little bit before it existed sorry it existed before and then it just got compounded just more and more
0: right because because when you were recovering i'm sure certain doctors were giving you all these meds because you were in a ton of pain yep so it's opioids and pain meds and take this and take that to feel better did you take them?
1: I stopped. I took them a lot less than I should have, and it meant it hurt more. But I got more of a result from physical fitness or physical activity, mm-hmm. and spending times. And by physical fitness and activity, I don't mean just going to the gym. Like my friends would co- come over and help me walk down the street and back as I recovered. I got more enjoyment from that
0: then, yeah.
1: than than from the feeling of. Uh, opioids or narcotics or, or what that would do because that would take the pain away but also just change your life
0: like, yeah it changes your it life. makes you
1: feel useless useless because you, you are because you're useless, useless. Yeah, yeah you're
0: useless I've, I've had many i've had eight or nine shoulder surgeries i've taken enough pain meds uh to fill up um you know uh, a garbage truck um, Oh yeah definitely but um and and again that's the thing with those i mean yeah it's they help you with the pain but it's really just a band-aid mm-hmm. you know and um So you're home, uh, you're playing video games, your friends are coming over. Um, What was physical therapy like?
1: Boring as shit. My physical therapy was useless. Um, They do well for the common person, but I feel like it was very restrictive. Mm -hmm. So it was good to get moving, but the second I would get out of physical therapy, I actually joined a gym two weeks into physical therapy and I was not supposed to do that but I got much more results from that.
0: And how many months or weeks after is this after the injury?
1: Uh, it was over it was a course of six to nine months to recover to the point where I could start doing things on my own so that's why the first race I signed up for was in November. I got injured in February mm-hmm. and the first race that I did or the first the OCR yeah, the first obstacle course race I did was in November. And we we signed up for that because I, I kind of gave myself a timeline,
0: right? Um, that was your goal. You yeah, were shooting for goal. that. You were shooting to get to that
1: race. Yeah, you you need to give yourself a a, a goal right. or, or something to keep into perspective your timeline. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you could just say, "Hey, fuck it, next year," right? Right. And then, but then you could prolong getting back. Exactly. So why do that? You know, be aggressive with it, or it, or you're gonna just structure yourself on laziness yeah you know and and being aggressive is the way that you succeed at anything
0: so uh was there a time when you were home um where kind of a light bulb went off in your head to say i'm gonna do this fucking race and i'm gonna do well and i'm gonna get back like is there a moment in time where you were like i got this now like like these doctors are telling me i can't do shit but like watch this
1: when i started bench pressing again i was bench pressing two and a quarter yeah. Yeah. You know. Finally, again, it came back fast because I, I started bench pressing competitively when I was younger, so it was always like a positive thing. So now I'm just repping out two and a quarter, and I'm sitting there, and I can actually run half a mile on the treadmill and run straight. It was funny when I well, first started; yeah. I was bouncing off sides.
0: What was it like with the balance thing? Like, how did you figure out? Like, how'd you get that back? You hold shit. You, you just, just hold, hold shit. shit. You
1: Bounce off walls. I used to when I first went back to work. I was walking. I would bounce off walls people would get so nervous i'm like no nah, just let it happen it's gonna so be, you would just walk into a happen. wall not on purpose not on purpose like but i want to go that i want to go straight but my body wants to go left so my body does what it wants so i had to forcefully teach it
0: so have you, you you've taught your body to walk differently
1: yeah i mean i was told i would never walk straight again and i'll walk straight on my hands i would walk obstacle races on my hands so really I still yeah i mean holy shit fuck it like you can't i love that term what fuck it yeah i say fuck it a lot (laughs) um but it's it's something that you had to deal with but they were like
0: they were like kevin you will never walk straight again
1: yeah you'll never walk straight again you'll never run straight again i was my body wanted to do what it wanted to do and i just had to tell it otherwise so you relearn your balance you have to do a lot of balance exercises A lot of that Bosu ball, you know, all those like, you know, white claw drinking white women that stand on the Bosu balls during yoga. A lot of that stuff. A lot of that. (laughs) A lot of that. What
0: what about like going to work? Were you able to drive?
1: I couldn't drive for the first three months. Okay. um, Just because it had nothing to do because I was visually able to do so. Okay. I I was cognitive. But physically? But physically my body was like iffy and then so they just didn't want me to yet. So for three months, my mother, bless her soul, I have the best parents in the world. Mm Mm-hmm she would drive me to work she'd be late to work so she could drive me to work um, and I started part time went back to full time but yeah I used to bounce off walls at work all the time they're like you need to sit you need to do this I'm like no I need to bounce off walls no
0: let me bounce off walls but
1: yeah, like, I'm fine yeah. you know nothing's breaking I'm yeah. you know, get a bruised shoulder once in a while but
0: right. that's now, about I, it yeah after the like, when when did you start walking straight? Uh. how many months after the in- still
1: questionable to be honest <laughs> But, I mean, uh, not after a couple of be- after a couple of beers. After maybe. a couple of IPAs, nobody walks straight. Um, but, but, but I would say six, six to nine months. Six to nine months. Say, yeah, at nine months, I was running and I was running the race. At, at, I would say six months, I was recovered to the point where I was active.
0: Okay, what? Give me a time in those six to nine months where you did something and you were like, "Fuck yeah, I'm back, baby." Yeah,
1: I ran three miles wearing. <laughs> by the way, this is my rookie start on running because that that was
0: but you weren't running before this
1: not really that's crazy yeah i know like i was doing that's a bunch crazy of other stuff shit. i wasn't running i was just doing body shows and stuff like that so i started running and my friends what do you were mean trying body to body shows uh i did uh what's it called uh b- body shows exactly that
0: bodybuilding yeah oh you did yeah, yeah. i didn't know I, that i was the guy
1: that skipped legs day I, I had like this huge upper body and a uh, little itty bitty legs i was very strong you were on stage rip. yeah a couple times tanned up yeah, like that's the fun. We're gonna skip back to this. <laughs> this the bodybuilding good. industry is hilarious because it is the only place in the world where you have a locker room full of grown ass men wearing thongs, rolling Tanner on each other. Like, if any normal person opens that door, and walks in, and sees what the fuck is going on in there, they're gonna question their entire lives. Why did you do?
0: Why did you want to be a bodybuilder?
1: I didn't. It just was a thing to do, I guess.
0: Did you take steroids?
1: Oh, yeah, well, I was also You like, took steroids? No, oh, no, no, no. I did not take steroids. Did um, people that you were competing with take uh, oh, steroids? Oh, yeah, lots of people. That, like, you would have to inject your friends. It's so common. It's unbelievable. What would you weigh? I weighed 160s. I was in the 160s, but I was a small kid. That's where this all started from. Like, That's a whole different conversation. Listen, I held on to my virginity real strong in high school. I weighed 120 pounds soaking wet. Girls wouldn't talk to me. I was super nerd. Never got picked on, though, because I had a ton of friends luckily but i got tired of being the little kid and that's kind of so what
0: th- that's how you got into, that's like, how i got to bodybuilding into bodybuilding and,
1: and bench pressing and, and, and fitness but, now
0: with the bodybuilding and we're gonna get back i just cause yeah I, sorry to
1: add that moment but no that no was, no because
0: like bodybuilding i, I actually at, at a time in my life i wanted to be a bodybuilder because i was like all obsessed with like ronnie coleman and, and like jay cutler those fucking, fucking guys like i was like holy shit um these are big dudes but then i realized how much steroids they take and
1: they're a mess right now if you look at them right now they're a mess yeah
0: um because you know you, you see bodybuilders now that are like passing away because they're actually more unhealthy than a fat overweight person
1: oh their because, inside is mush
0: cuz what their the, their heart is needs well a fat person their heart doesn't need to pump blood to the fat no but a bodybuilder yes. has all that muscle and they have their heart is working over time and
1: you can strengthen your heart but you can't grow it
0: right exactly you
1: can strengthen it to a point but you can't grow yeah, it. i mean and that's the, the
0: you know these guys are five foot nine 300 pounds with two percent body fat
1: and that steroid that they take it's also it has a lot of anti-inflammatory as much as it expands your muscle mass it's also technically an anti-inflammatory so it has negative impacts on strength for your heart while it grows your body, so your yeah. heart's getting weaker while your body's incredible, getting bigger, and incredible. then now everything's backfires.
0: And excuse me, but like, I just saw like a Netflix on Ronnie Coleman. Have you yeah, seen? Have yeah, you yeah, seen yeah, him yeah, lately? Yeah. Like he is—he is a mess. He's had like twenty-five or thirty like hip surgeries. Oh, I know. He's and crazy. He's,
1: yeah, he looks like a walking elephant. Right? Yeah, uh, it's
0: ridiculous. Like, um, but sorry. Listen, as we were going back to the, I just want to ask you one question about the bodybuilding. Yeah. yeah. Because I'm I'm, I'm curious about this. Did you, like, what kind of gratitude, like, did you, what kind of feeling did you get from, like, being on stage?
1: Not that it's the shittiest sport in the world. It's the sport of non-fitness. Like, these people are so, including myself, so unfit at the the pinnacle of your fitness while you go on stage. They look like they're the fittest people, but. You can't walk up a set of stairs without throwing up or. You are not fit at all. It's all for show. And the problem is when something is all for show, the people that are involved in the sport, not all of them, but a vast majority of them, it's a sport of superficiality. It's a fake sport. Right. I mean, it takes because, a lot of dedication, and I'm not going to take that away from these people. Like, it, it's uh, not You have
0: to be so disciplined. Oh, my God.
1: Unbelievably Not Not
0: everyone can do it.
1: No. and uh, I'm, you, not, so and I'm not saying that. And
0: there's people out there that will be like, well, I could take steroids and, and, and be no, – No, you, no, you can. can't. No. no, you cannot.
1: You got to put the work in. Okay. No matter who you are, you got to put the work in. Ronnie Coleman out.
0: and Jay Cutler are freaks. Yeah. Because they. The Kai Green, Like uh, Yeah. Like, the Kai Greens yeah. of the world.
1: But uh, so I will never take that away from them. But as a sport, it is a sport of superficiality, and when you do something like that, it lends itself to a different kind of people. Right. Um. In general, like I said, not everybody. So don't think I'm singling out like every person on there. Because I have best friends who are bodybuilders, and they're the best people I know. But uh, I didn't like the atmosphere yeah after, after I got involved with it. But I how many show, how big. many
0: shows did you do?
1: Just three. What, what was it like?
0: like did you place it all?
1: No. <laughs> I weighed 165 pounds. <laughs> I'm like four foot two. Maybe you used the I wrong, the wrong I, tanner. Uh, maybe I used the wrong steroids. I should have used more steroids. I, like, what, I refused to put needles in my. What ass. was your, what, what you. was
0: your diet like?
1: everything every fucking thing like, like you
0: didn't where you weren't like chicken vegetables like all oh the at time? the
1: end when you cut your diet is really just super bland super light lose your weight it but increase your sodium intake is so disgustingly high too for expansion purposes and then yeah. you drop all your water weight right right it, before right before just
0: the, to get that like dry look yeah i guess in, a tight
1: in, look yeah it's fucking horrible you can't even walk comfortably you get out of your car. You felt like a 90-year-old man. It was stupid. Like what was bless your... their souls for doing it. But it's, it's so I'm really glad
0: hard. Uh, we're doing this podcast because I had no idea you were a bodybuilder. Oh
1: yeah, imagine my little goony ass standing up there. Like it was, it was. I, it's not where I belonged. No, okay, no. It's definitely not where I belonged.
0: But it was fun. It was fun to do. What was your weight? Just curious. Last question about it. what was your weight in the off season? Like, did you have an off season, or were you just you know, like?
1: I went, I went from like one sixty 160 to one sixty five. Putting on weight's been impossible for me my entire life. Yeah, I mean, what a do you, beam pole. What do, you, what
0: do you weigh right now?
1: I only weigh one fifty five.
0: Yeah, soaking wet.
1: Yeah, yeah. but I'm still benching three fifteen. So that's soaking. Yeah, so uh,
0: <laughs> just real quick, and I want we're gonna get into this. Um, get back. I want to get back into the actual uh, core of this. But Kevin um, can actually bench more than he can squat.
1: Yes, he can. Yes, he can. <laughs> and it's embarrassing as shit at CrossFit. Let me tell you. <laughs> Because when I'm working out next to you assholes, like I'm, I'm sitting there. I tell our buddy Asmi, I'm like, listen, here's the goal today. You're gonna have to front squat as much as I bench press. Loser buys beers. Yeah, that's great.
0: So, I've never come. I've never heard of that in my life. It sucks. <laughs> it's benching.
1: from all the running. It's my cardiovascular work is so high that yeah. putting weight on my legs is just super difficult to do. It's happening, but it's taking forever.
0: Right, right. So. Okay, listen, um, we're at 37 minutes, and I wanted to keep this under 50 because we, we might have to do to, a two part segment with Kevin. Um, but I want to talk about, um, I want to get back to the injury. Okay, and I want to get back to that question I asked you. I said, when the fuck were you like, boom. I got this shit now, man. Like, fuck these doctors. I'm coming for that race. Like, like, what was your mentality for the race? Were you like, why
1: don't we just start talking about the racing next? That's when it happens. Yeah.
0: So, one question before that, the race that you signed up for. Yes. When you signed up for it, did you want a podium?
1: No, no, God, no. It, the, the we'll we'll progress into how I became competitive. When I first did it, it was it was literally just to show the world that they were wrong. Like, if I finish, I'm winning. You win. Period, yeah. It was all about mental game because the vast majority of people that do these races, they're they're out there just to expand their fitness and to see what's physically possible. They're not out there to podium. I mean, when you're talking about the top tier of any sport, you're talking such a small, small percentage of the people that are involved in it. Right. CrossFit, as an example. We're here at CrossFit. There are people here that fight for local stuff. There for are sure. people here that fight within the gym. But if you look at the 99% of people that do crossfit they're they're there for their own personal goals yeah they set their short-term personal goals and that's what they want to reach sure. that that was me that was me okay
0: that was race. you for that first race it was you, you know all um, about just finish it finish see it. what it's about okay talk to me about that first race
1: um it was a tough mutter in november which was fucking freezing where was it in new jersey okay uh english town raceway new jersey
0: um, you trained and all this stuff. Yeah, I trained.
1: Uh, once I was capable of running and and moving well. Ironically, the two people that were there at my accident, Jeff and Mish, are the two people that signed up and are doing the race with me. Okay. Awesome. So that's there's no better people that I would want to do my for my comeback event. If you. This will. is your comeback. This is my comeback event, because I wasn't oh I wasn't able to get on my board before the season ended because my recovery took months, not days. Like I was too pro right. and ambitious about that but nonetheless so the first real comeback event is tough mudder english town raceway 8 years ago um, we trained for it for 3 months never really ran before i was i'm such a rookie at this point like yeah. super rookie and now that i'm a you know professional athlete in the field i look back and i see these people just starting and they're making the mistakes that i made i want to try to help that right but uh, I'm running in And One basketball shoes. I what? have like I'm wearing board shorts. What to run it. Like I look. I had no fucking idea. Why were what you I was doing, doing that? How I didn't know any better. I had no idea. I show up on the oh, because you
0: weren't running before the injury. Oh,
1: no, nothing. I was doing none of this stuff before this. So we we show up. We get there.
0: Now, did you feel like you were ready to run the race? Like, yeah. or, were oh, you I've nervous? Al- I felt ready.
1: Uh, I was. I wasn't nervous as much as I was excited because it's it's new. It's cool. It's fun. You're running twelve miles. It might take you a couple hours but there's like a bunch of these obstacles you get to do right it's a big kid playground right 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 uh the first race wound up being miserable not because i didn't do well uh it was a blast obstacles were so much fun it was so mm-hmm. cool to be out there it was just cold yeah cold as shit which made it better for me because it made it so hard that the first thing i did as a comeback was swimming while it's 50 degrees out, and the water's like 48 degrees, right? Yeah. So we're swimming and running and doing all these obstacles, freezing cold. Mental capacity has to be through the roof, because it's so easy to quit. So easy. When you're that uncomfortable.
0: What was going through your mind throughout the race?
1: Nothing. I was excited as hell. You weren't thinking about anything? Nothing negative. It was just, I was so happy to be there.
0: Just to be like, I am... Like, like, just to be able to do this
1: yeah just to do it and it was so much fun so i'm with my friends i'm doing something i've always wanted to do anyways mm-hmm. and even though it took me took this to drive me to do it and
0: so you wanted to do these before the accident or oh, see, i
1: considered it more okay yeah, i yeah. consider it because it's something new it's something to try it's mm-hmm. it's trending at the time right and now i'm doing it and i'm thinking zero the irony is at this point i am thinking zero percent about the injury about my comeback about anything i'm having a blast i'm getting addicted in the first three miles i'm like this is a thing now this is no, it no, 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 like, no, now you're I'm, hooked now i'm doing this this is just something i'm doing period period get everybody addicted we're doing this forever yeah so and you finished the race i finished the race how would you us, feel took us a while it took us like four hours sore as shit sore hell i've never ran 12 miles the most i ran before was i want to say four
0: and this is 12 miles of like you're doing other shit while yeah. You're yeah.
1: yeah, and you're carrying stuff, and you're going through mud, and you're crawling, and barbed wire crawls, and swimming, and... But you, you know. finish
0: the race, and you're like, holy shit, I am fucking hooked on this. Oh,
1: yeah, it was amazing. We were freezing cold and excited as hell at the same time.
0: Okay. Um, now, can you... What happens next? Addiction. Purely addiction.
1: Pure addiction. I'm slamming it. I'm like, my buddy Jeff, that I mentioned a couple times, he took me running like the week before to prep and he's running circles around me at this point in my life when we first started and I'm like Jeff we need to like run all the time mm-hmm. and we need to be able to carry shit and we need to be able to do pull ups I'm like we have to do all of this yeah. so
0: so you and Jeff started working
1: started working out all the time like did
0: you buy new sneakers or did you keep using the N1s I had to learn
1: and at this point
0: but did you uh, have the N1 sneakers still or?
1: oh yeah I was still running but I had no fucking idea what I was doing I was I was rookie mode one oh one. a couple months later, uh, I went snowboarding.
0: Oh, you in December. did
1: December. Yep. I strapped my board on. How in nervous were you? Zero percent. Not nervous at all. Zero percent. Got a big fucking helmet. Huge, Huge helmet. Huge helmet. Like I'll wear a helmet driving my car now. Like But I'm, were you going gonna, fast or slow? Uh, I don't know how to go slow. You're just yeah, yeah. you were so, flying. It was difficult though with the balance because you have to really. I had to relearn how to balance on everything. Even oh, so the date. so on
0: the snowboard because I'm a snowboarder. I mean, the balance your balance must have been.
1: That was horrible. I fell a lot, <laughs> like the first day, but not because I wasn't excited or trying or moving. It's just quick transitions were very difficult. I can't. I couldn't quick transition at any point in time. But I got on it. Slapped that board on. I snowboarded ten times that season. Mm-hmm. Um, but the whole did, time I was were, were,
0: like, the doctors or your parents being, like, why are you doing... Why would you ever... I got
1: big photos of me hanging up at my PT's office still to date. Like, they asked me to come in and it uh, of their yeah. people, like... Just because, yeah. Like,
0: look at, like...
1: Yeah, look, 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 look what he's doing, you know?
0: Yeah. But were, were people telling you, like, don't get on a snowboard?
1: Yeah, nobody. No, nobody that mattered. Nobody that mattered. My parents, they they bought me new gear. My, my dad went snowboarding with me the first time I went snowboarding back. Um... There was. Was there times that during
0: your recovery, maybe like three to six months after that, you thought that you weren't ever gonna get on a snowboard?
1: No, never. You, you, you. There's no use in this life to be afraid of things you love. Did you death. have
0: this mentality before the injury?
1: Yeah, I would like to say yes, but it never.
0: You never like surfaced the way it, it, it did.
1: Exactly, because there wasn't a need for it. Like it, I it was there. It was there, but you didn't. It, you didn't know what to do with it because it didn't really have a purpose.
0: But like I know you now, and like everything we do. Is like you have to be the first one to finish. You have to be numero uno. Uh, you
1: have to try. If you don't sell out, yeah, there's no point. But
0: did you have that when you were a bodybuilder?
1: Bodybuilder, no. But uh, what
0: about competitive benching?
1: Yes, always. Uh, but all the extreme sports I did, they were so much different. They were such chiller, more chill. Like, yeah. Uh, downhill racing, yes. Down uh, border cross, always. But all the other stuff that I did in extreme sports, it was kind of like just do as well as you can and try to place. But there was not as much stress on it. Right. I don't even stress myself now. I just like pushing the limit. Like you push the envelope as hard as you can push Constantly pushing the envelope. Yeah. Get better. If yeah. you're not getting better, what's the point? Um.
0: You know, and, and again, you know, folks, like that's why I enjoy working out with, with um, Kevin because it's like constantly. any Anytime we're working out, we could be doing push-ups it's like everything has to be pushing the envelope, okay? And I think that's really important, especially if you want to get better at just about anything. Um, and I talked about this the other day. Um, any type of, um, you know, if you're disciplined doing things throughout the day, you can't you can't half-ass, like, anything. Even if it's, like, you know, stretching or if you have a goal and you want to do something, there's never a half-ass. You know what I'm saying?
1: Yeah, two things. And I know it took so long into... The podcast to get to it but
0: talk about it man no two
1: two things that i learned that were most important from this and we'll get back to obstacle course racing in in my, my term in there and like to date but two things came to mind one frame of reference right when i first started everything frame of reference is a big thing people think running three miles is almost impossible until you talk to somebody that runs 10 then all of a sudden three is nothing right Running 10 miles, that's impossible until you meet people that run 20, 20 or 30, 30 or 40. And this is just running, benching. You can't squat 200 pounds, but there's Brad squatting 500 pounds. Well, yeah. Right? It's not
0: impossible.
1: It's not impossible. So if, if you want to get better, you need to change your frame of reference.
0: Absolutely. Uh,
1: you got to look past what's current into what is possible. Best way to do that is to surround yourself by people that are better than you because people that are better better than you or ambitious like you yeah. are going to want to see you succeed.
0: Exactly. And and for me, um, going back to what you just said, for me from the swimming standpoint, last year at this time, if you told me that I was going to swim in the ocean for a sprint triathlon, okay, I would have told you you're full of fucking shit. That's not going to happen. Why? Because I can't do that. Yeah. But then, when I see you swimming 100 meters right, a thousand meters, okay, then I'm like, well, maybe I can do this.
1: Yeah, you just got to... And then having
0: someone... Exactly, having a frame of reference and having people around you that encourage you to do it.
1: No, absolutely. And then that, in that mentality, transcends itself into every part of your life. Exactly. How you work... We're talking about fitness right now, but how how hard you work at your life in your fitness, because you have one... Chance in this life to be as good as you can be physically, mentally, emotionally, everything. One chance. But how hard you work in that mentality also works forward and transcends into your relationships. Your your Definitely. relationships with your significant others. Uh, with your children. Mm-hmm. Family. Absolutely. friends, Work. Your right. career. Career. And if you're driven in one location, fitness is an example, you tend to be driven everywhere. Everywhere. It's not like a one place right. it's not a singular location no. that it applies to it, it applies, applies to everywhere everything in your life everywhere and exactly. you find yourself attracted to those kind of people absolutely and that's why the frame of reference if you're if you are like that you will find yourself surrounded by people like that that will help you succeed in the things you didn't think were right. possible right
0: and if you surround yourself with people that keep telling you that it's impossible you're never, then, it's possible. It's, then it's not possible. Then
1: it's not possible. That's not possible.
0: Okay. Then it's not possible. That's why you know people talk about it's like you know if you, if you want to find your success, you need to surround yourself with people that are positive and successful. Okay. If you surround yourself with people that are constantly negative and unsuccessful, guess what? You're going to be
1: unsuccessful and very, negative. Very unsuccessful.
0: Very unsuccessful. So you know I think that's very important is you know surrounding yourself with people that um, give you a better frame of reference. Okay, that say to you, like, dude, like, you can fucking do this. Who cares?
1: Then all of a sudden, you'll be doing things you didn't you didn't think you'd be doing. Yeah, or that you that you mentally couldn't not that you couldn't do, but you didn't think were feasible. Right at that point.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um, Listen, we're going on fifty minutes now, and I want to wrap this up under under one hour. Um, But I want Kevin. Cause I'm gonna get him back on here, cause we had a lot to talk about. I definitely want to talk about uh, more detail on his bodybuilding career,
1: or lack thereof. <laughs> or lack thereof. Lack no, thereof. But
0: uh, for for the folks that are listening, uh, that could be interested in like obstacle course racing, uh, OCR. I want Kevin to talk about. I want him to educate on that. But I also want him to. I want you to talk about your career. As an as an obstacle racer, because you became one of the best, probably in the world, right? I mean, you were. I
1: wouldn't say best. I I was among the best in the world. He was like, among let's the best. say among the. Best. And this
0: all started from that one race. That
1: one race started it. And, so talk about that. Um, I will. Okay, we'll get into that because I could give you ten minutes. Um, and get pretty in detail with it. Uh, first thing is, after that race, I was dating a girl who happened to be in. I mentioned this to you. She uh, I did, I was dating a girl that was a cheerleader, mm-hmm. right? I went to go pick her up from cheer practice, and at, walking out the door is one of my very close friends from high school that I hadn't seen in maybe five, ten years. His name's Ryan Hall. He's the one that's beyond reason fitness.
0: He's a tremendous... Um,
1: tremendous athlete. Tremendous
0: He's, athlete. A, tremendous
1: athlete his whole life. I haven't seen him in four or five years. He walks out, i like, holy shit, how are you doing? How's your wife doing? Like I haven't seen you in a long time it's almost ironic i'm running into you now because i started and at this point i've done maybe a couple small races but i started running he used to be in track and would you like to do an ocr with me would you like to do an obstacle course race get back together start hanging out maybe training a little bit because he's always inspired me he's when you talk about good he's better than good yes he's the guy you want to be exactly um not just in sport but in life like you know great father great husband really good friend Mm -hmm. um he agreed. And then all of a sudden my training got stepped up major notches. And then right. we we're signing up for more and more races mm-hmm. and more and more races. And obstacle course racing then started taking off. So over the course of in you know I'll abbreviate the story but over the course of the next 2 years we did a bunch of races but as entry level contenders Ryan and I. Yeah. And just to progress within the sport, we want to keep getting better and better because you have your. There's two different divisions, more or less. Mm-hmm. Sometimes three. You have age group divisions, but it's mainly your elite athletes and then your open level athletes. Open level athletes are just
0: anybody. sign up. It's me. I want to do. You could as... be
1: very good. You could be very bad. You could be using this for whatever purpose you want. Whatever drives you to get off your couch, let it drive you. Get there. Right. That's where we started, you know, and then we kept testing ourselves within the open. Uh, class. To get to our our goal is to get to the elite class and to race competitively. Mm-hmm. And you and
0: Ryan both had this goal. Yeah, absolutely. But when we, you saw him at the airport, did did he know about OCRs
1: at all? We all knew about it because you, you see it, you you see it on TV. You you hear the chatter. Right. So, but and he was interested, mm-hmm. and so he jumped on board with me. And because of him and the training that we we're doing, and my other friends as well, we wound up. Over the course of two to three years, uh, building our way into, you know, the lower end of the elite class, but we were able. To, it's humbling and also inspiring to be able to compete with such high-level athletes. Right now, you and you have, guys
0: are training hard for this.
1: Training hard, and I every day, every uh, every day, five days a week, as much as you could, at this point. And but it's a lot of uh, a lot of solo training too a lot of time in the woods It's a lot of running based sport you do a lot of running and then you have to be able to a lot carry, of trail running a lot of trail running a lot of carries farmer carries bucket carries just carries and a lot of body weight exercising so you need to move your body weight around carry things and run that's the sport yeah but uh,
0: what's your goal at this point like did your goal was to be in the elite group
1: at that point it was to get into the elite group but like, mm-hmm. We we talked about frame of reference and forward thinking. Yeah. So okay, we make it to the elite group. Why can't we be good in the elite group? Why can't we? Be so you connected? get to the elite group. We make it to elite, but now why? Now can't you're we, like, well, why can't we be good? Why can't we be contenders? Why can't we upset somebody's day? You know. And how many
0: people are in the elite group?
1: Uh, at, at per race, is technically it? you could just pay to race elite. Oh. But if you're talking about how many actual elite athletes there are, uh, less than 500 worldwide. I would say. Wow. Um, and that—that's true. Elite athletes, not just people that sign up. For and elite
0: you were athletes. in this division, this 500.
1: Yes, we, yeah. we were probably in the 400s though at this point. Right. But with goals now.
0: But now you're—you're you're in there, and you're like, okay, I got here.
1: Yeah, and then. Over but course,
0: why can't I just be top 10, top 20,
1: number one? That's where it started. It started with now. Why can't we qualify for obstacle course world championships, which? obstacle course world championships is a race you have to qualify for by being within the top 10 or 20 elite men in any particular race whether it's spartan race savage race viking race fit challenge um at this point we were getting sponsors right or, or, or people interested in sponsorships as we were climbing the range. how did that
0: work like what what were the sponsors they were just get, were they giving you cash were they giving you
1: very little new cash. short,
0: like pairs of shorts,
1: like socks, hats. Exactly, it was a it was a lot of gear because at this point the sport's so young. Yeah. There's a lot, not a lot of cash flow through it, unless you're top top tier. But there was a lot of travel. They'll pay for your travel. They'll pay for that. They'll give you your gear. Yeah. Wh- which saves a ton of money. These things are very expensive. Were you traveling you, a lot? Yeah, um, not worldwide, but mainly U.S. wide, uh, everywhere within the U.S.
0: Is this like every um, weekend or?
1: At least two races a month. Two races a month. Uh, at least two races a month competitively. And then the next thing you know, we start climbing the ranks.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: We can make it to Obstacle Course World Championships. This is you and Ryan. Ryan and I, yeah. And then we both qualify for Obstacle Course Worlds four years into the sport. Which is amazing because you're talking seven years ago, or, or five years prior, I couldn't even walk. Now, well, that's incredible. now all of a sudden, I not only started obstacle course racing, now you're you're looking at being at the top tier of the sport. Obstacle course. So now we're qualifying, top twenty, top ten. Ryan and I are like, why? Why can't we get on the podium? Why is that such a far fetched goal mm-hmm. for us? So like, who cares? Like, no one's going to tell us we can't. So why don't we just do it? You know. So then the following year, the fifth year, uh.
0: In the in the sport, the fifth the year. Sp-
1: fifth year in the sport, Ryan Hall places third place tuxedo race, Spartan tuxedo race. That's a big race. Yeah it's a fairly big race um qualifies him for world championships and also qualifies him for the hardest race to qualify for which is spartan race world championships you have to place top five elite men um uh, rolling top five in order just to get invited to To, the race to the race and where is this held lake tahoe um and it was we'll get to that That was fucking miserable (laughs) don't don't bring me back but it was an honor to get there so next thing you know, he qualifies for that. I take first place at Viking Race. Where was this at? Uh, This is the one I've been trying to get all of us to go to. Oh, okay. Uh, up in the Catskills. Yeah.
0: So you came in You came in first. Yes. Yeah. Sweet it, that was,
1: freaking trophy, by the way. Like, Anybody were you, local, Yeah. go. If you want to do an obstacle course race, do either Viking Race or Fit Challenge. They're locally run events, and they are the best events in the world. How best did you – Obstacles, when you, best
0: everything. When you came in first, how did you feel?
1: Awesome. Are you kidding? Really? Yeah, like life falls. Fuck, yeah. Yeah. Like like I was miserable because everything hurt afterwards. Like I and I looked beat up. I looked like I went through hell to get there because I did. But it was awesome, and the trophy was sweet too. How like, How many competitors? Uh, that day I think there was eighty that I was competing against nice. that particular day. That's awesome. Um, which is really cool. And then all of a sudden it's like maybe I can make it to Spartan Race World Championships. So then a year later I qualify. And, and this is Lake Tahoe? This is like, yeah, this is like the epitome, pinnacle of the sport, pinnacle of the sport. So now I go from not being able to walk straight, getting involved, making my way Incredible. to the top, And then I'm going to Lake Tahoe to compete against the best people. I'm not going to win, of, of course, and I know that. But you. But the fact that I earn the right to compete at this level among the best athletes in the world it is, one, it's very humbling. Very humbling. Very, very humbling. And what
0: drove you to consistently work out to get, like, what, what was the driving force the five years? Was it did, it, did it go back to your injury?
1: No. Did, and the injury stopped after race one. But were you... That's why nobody knows I was injured. The injury stopped after race one. But... This, I'm loving my time with my friends. I'm loving the sport. And I just want to get better. Once you get a taste of victory, the only thing that tastes better than pizza is victory. Right. And anybody that argues has never won anything exactly. worth winning, you know?
0: But what your but your driving goal over the five years was a why can't we be elite the elite 500 okay you get to the elite okay it's like what your your tattoo says never settle you get to the 500 why are we gonna settle at this shit we could fucking we could be top what was your thought I could be top 250 then you get yeah
1: increments then you get to
0: then you get to 250 and say top 100 now you win. What happens?
1: What's, what's next? And then you make it to Worlds. In Worlds. Uh, so
0: you get to Worlds.
1: Get to Worlds. Uh, Ryan how many did it pe- the year before. How many
0: people are at Worlds?
1: In my division, 300. It's capped at 300, I think.
0: How, how ridiculously hard is the race?
1: I don't want to. That was, was a very dark day. So And and I, and I knew it was going to be a dark day because Ryan did it the year before. He it, was like, dude, it's at Lake Tahoe yeah. where, where they had the Olympics. Yeah. Um, Squaw Valley. Yeah. They so it's at elevation that we don't train. It's in October. It is fucking freezing. How many miles was it? It was twelve miles, uh, twelve or thirteen miles, straight uphill, straight downhill. But you start. It's you're which, starting at elevation. Started at thirty eight degrees, and a quarter mile into the race, they sent us through water. So you are freezing cold. Are you? Do you have a shirt on? You have to, yeah. you
0: have, like, uh, gear and shit? Oh, yeah,
1: you're properly geared up. All compression gear. You have your race pack. You have everything.
0: Well, with you, I was shocked. I was asking if you had a shirt on.
1: Well, yeah, I never have one. That's a thing that... We'll get into that. (laughs) Uh, Overrated. Sleeves are fucking useless.
0: So, you do Lake Tahoe. Uh, What happens after that?
1: Well, uh, well, misery. Misery is what happens.
0: So, what did you finish?
1: Well, I was in, like, top 100 until mile... Six ish. Mm-hmm. We're at the very top of the mountain. You have to swim four hundred yards in forty-two degree, forty-three degree water, and it takes the life. Do you have out like a wetsuit on? They make you wear vests. You have to wear vests That's because good, of the temperature of the water. But, but yeah, we freaked just out. Just because
0: of temperature. They don't yeah. care about you drowning.
1: No, yeah, you go into shock. Your body goes into shock. I've never, and I got out of that water. I've, I had a panic attack almost. You were
0: like freaking 300 out. Three
1: hundred yards in. Because I didn't think I was going to make it out. I was wearing a light vest. Of course I'm going to make it out. I'm a bobber at this point. But, but you were f-
0: mentally panicking. Well,
1: your body starts Yeah. just seizing. Get out of the water. And I went from 100th place to maybe 300. Wow. In the, in the remainder. Of the, so you get the out of the water. Body shut down. You
0: get out of the water. And how many more miles do you have?
1: Like six or seven. Holy shit. And my body just shut down.
0: So what did you have to do next when you got out of the water? Survive. It was You weren't survival mode? Just
1: survive survive make it through as fast as you can just, just get to the end just yeah just get,
0: get to the end get to the end yeah
1: mental game way more than physical at this point get to so the
0: you end. i assume you got there
1: yes and you can't send me back you'll never do that race <laughs> <No>. again <laughs> yeah ryan and i will never do that race again and like we were beyond honored to get there it was the biggest compliment in the world and the biggest accomplishment as well but i ain't going back
0: but what happens like what would be the next level? Like, if you had won Lake Tahoe or podium, is there a bigger race?
1: Sometimes you should stop at the top. You know what I mean? Because <laughs> there's nowhere left to But climb. is there, like... Um, I wasn't even going to come close to that. But is would you say that was Worlds? Uh, Spartan Race World champions.
0: So that's, like, everyone in the world, obviously.
1: Yeah, you had to qualify to compete against the best in the world. That's crazy. Oh, there were, there were people from 60, 70-some-odd countries. Amazing. Yeah. It, it was the coolest experience ever. So
0: after that race, what happens? Do you go back to bodybuilding?
1: No, hell no. <laughs> I, got, I did something about dudes rolling tans on me. I just couldn't do. Like When you have to explain to your girlfriend that you're hanging out with a bunch of guys and just rubbing each other down, it's, oh, it sounds gosh. a little little weird. But w- were right? you
0: done with um, OCRs?
1: No, no. And then the, the drive was still there. Still loved it. Still competed in it. Yeah. And then we'll get into this next time. then all of a sudden, boom. Hey CrossFit, what's up? Yeah, and then CrossFit came in. Yeah, now you get to do OCR. the The feeling of the community of OCR is wonderful, but you get that community feeling and the drive with other people on a daily basis. Right,
0: exactly. At CrossFit, At I mean, CrossFit. I think that's why we all enjoy coming here. Oh yeah, absolutely. It's the competitive nature of CrossFit. We're all very competitive.
1: I could pay a I could pay a hell of a lot less and do this shit in my garage. Yeah. I literally, I'm. It, it's it's paying to have a place to go. Exactly. Where you yeah, where you fit in ish
0: Ish, kinda ish. why do you have that tattoo never settle what's the um, reason exactly
1: for that like I hate I hate it when people fall short of what they think they're capable of so it, it, never settle for what's right in front of you because there's always something else to be had always like, like if it, if it's given to you it, it's usually not the best option there's always something that you can get more of so what is it greatness isn't given it's taken it's taken right yeah at all costs. And you got to be willing to earn it because everything worth having comes at a cost. Yeah. Right. You, whether it's time, you, you know, it's not a negative statement. It just you got to put effort in to get something worthwhile. Exactly. So that that's kind of what it's about.
0: There's, you know, um, actually, OG was talking about because he was on last week, um, but he basically he, he was like, listen, you have to enjoy the process of getting better. You know, like okay. you have to enjoy the journey because, like, if I'm in sales and I I made no sales, but they gave me. You know, sales of the year, but I didn't do any work for it. That means shit. Big, yeah. How, feels, do you, how
1: do you feel? Feel like shit. Yeah. It's I, I wouldn't
0: want it. It's useless.
1: Useless. No, that's, that's, and throughout this, I don't know if I talked about it. That's, that was the whole point too. I literally just love doing what I do. I work out three, two, three times a day, every day. I go hard all the time. I'm getting people together, but it's because I'm not doing it alone. I'm doing it with my friends. Right. And I'm loving everything that I'm doing day to day. The, the winning part, just feels good. It's that singular moment, it's, right. it's, it's that it's that it's that moment where all your hard work technically pays off, but at the end of the day, it's just a fleeting moment in time. That's that's pretty useless to it's, be honest.
0: It's very useless
1: because the next day you have to want to wake up and do what you're doing.
0: Do what you're doing, and I think you also too. It's like never settle. So it's like, you know, if you do podium and you do well, it's like I kind of I want more.
1: And what's next?
0: Yeah, and what is next?
1: What's next? That—that's when CrossFit starts. That's when triathlons. Yeah, start. I'm at the bottom of CrossFit. I'm at the bottom of triathlon, but that makes it exciting. That makes you have
0: somewhere to go. Exactly. You know, you have somewhere to go. That's like me. You know, I've talked to you about this with the sprint triathlons. Uh, I'm fucking geared up, man. Like I'm—I'm yeah. gonna, I'm gonna try to take you down. Bring it. You know, yeah. like
1: nobody wants to stay top of the middle. You no, know what I mean? Yeah, you, you, who wants you to gotta, stay top of the middle? No, no one. No one, you no gotta, one does. Got to want to climb. You got to have somewhere to go.
0: Um. All right. Listen, Kevin. Really, really appreciate you coming on. We're definitely going to do a part two, because we got a lot more to talk about. Uh, we're a little over an hour right now, and um, you know, like I said, guys, in the beginning, uh, Kevin's very. He's been very inspirational to me. And I wanted to get on him to get on here to have you guys listen to his story. Um, and really, ultimately, it really comes down to you know how bad do you want it? Um, you know, and Kevin, you know, as you heard, you know, wasn't going to allow himself to sit and sulk, uh, playing video games and you know being like, you know, all upset about what happened to him. It's the mentality of. Okay, I'm in this position right now and I need to get the fuck out of it. Mm-hmm. And being in this position right now is gonna make me a better person. Mm-hmm. And I think Kevin can attest to that, that you know, going through his tragedy, his accident, has actually made him a better person.
1: Would you Absolutely, absolutely. The the best things in life usually come from the hardest work or hardest times.
0: Hardest times. Yeah. Your okay. greatest moments are created from the hardest times. Mm-hmm. I think that's how it goes. But no, it some is. but well, but it's, yeah, true. No, it's, but very, it's 100% true. true. It's like, you know, you have to go through shit in your life that sucks to well, make you better.
1: A comeback story is what's inspirational. Nobody's going to be inspired by somebody that was given greatness, right? Right. Yeah, no nobody's inspired by handouts. No one is inspired so, by
0: handouts and um, listen it's all about hard work, dedication, um, and getting out there and learning, getting after it and never settling, as Kevin's arm says. But listen, guys, really appreciate you guys listening. I hope you guys got a lot out of this. Um, I sure did. Um, thank you so much for listening. And again, find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. We're pretty much all over the place. Uh, enjoy the rest of your weekend, and we will talk to you soon. Take care. Be good.